0: But then it sort of kind of tailed off quite a lot. Duncan Bannatyne was there. Oh. Did you pitch anything uh, to him? Afraid no, he was too far away. Hi, I'm Ian. He's Ollie. Hi. We're both guys. We're chatting about immersive cinema. It's the Guys on Film Podcast. The final immersion is that because we're going to drown
1: uh, well no it's just you know you're being immersed for the for the
0: final time this month and this time we're going to drown people in fact, there's a lot actually in this show for a notes on uh, immersive cinema episode yeah we're going to have to so, try and
1: razz raz through it all when was the last time you said the
0: word razz um, I think it was probably at Codemasters whilst chatting to a mutual colleague of ours who drives a car very fast okay fine uh, so what have we got in today's uh, show and it is a show we've got as any notes on episode should, it's got some, uh, it's got some user voice in it. So people listening to stuff have sent us some bits and bobs. So if anyone okay. else would like to tell us what they think about immersive cinema or any other subject that we've done, do you know what they should do, Ollie?
1: They should get on the internet first. So they should, if they haven't got the internet, then they probably need to uh, sign Talk up to, to an internet, an service, internet provider. service
0: provider, yeah, or an yep. ISP for short. That'll save you a That's lot of time. T- that's you're <laughs> when I was at home and I was like sort of unpacking some old boxes, I found a, 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 a printed CD. book. A printed book that was like a guide to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. That so that was your kind of step one. But basically, if people want to get in touch, you can record your message on your phone's sort of voice memo app thing. Yeah. And then send it to guys on film podcast at gmail.com. That's yeah. guys on film podcast at gmail.com. Or um, and if you, you're pod shy, yeah. you can just send a written note on facebook.com forward slash guys on film. Does that not just all sound easy? And we'll There's read no out. reason why you shouldn't get involved. I can't think of any um, reason why you shouldn't. And here's one person that got involved. Hi chaps. Uh,
2: this is Miles Monty, um, Ian's highly esteemed colleague from uh, from work. Uh love the show. It's always uh it's always a good listen. Um regarding 40 dx it's uh it was a huge distraction for me uh i didn't get any smell fortunately which is a good thing um but yeah the uh the drafts and like sound of the fans around the kind of periphery of the cinema were just very distracting and very intrusive um i can't believe World's made this much money or yeah crazy all right love the show keep going guys see ya
0: you can put a clip in there i've already okay. sent you this one Okay. From a yep. chat called Miles. Oh, all right. So, yeah, thanks, Miles. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, okay. Pretty, so, what I else mean, have we got on this show? On this show, Ollie, we're going to talk to a colleague of mine who's worked in 360 video and he's worked in VR experiences and he's worked in games that have sort of immersiveness mm-hmm. of all varieties and, and that sort of thing. And his name's David Addis.
2: And so he's going to
0: add <laughs> Addis opinions on the matter that's correct and actually because he's probably the most um pun he's he's punishing in work because he's the pun, <laughs> the pun master okay uh, that the, was a very okay. um apt intro to him okay thank you very much so we'll get to that right after we've had a bit of a chat about what secret cinema i've been to the secret cinema Yep, and what's the final thing we've got in store for people Well, if they hold on to their seats long enough, I mean, they don't have to be sitting down to listen to the podcast, but if they wait long enough, they'll be able to hear us chatting about Final Destination, which you told me was one of the earliest 3D films. Uh, No, what I actually said was, so this is actually
1: The Final Destination, which is the fourth in the series, okay? Okay. So it's called The Final Destination, not Final Destination. It was the first in the Final Destination series to be in 3D and most of the deaths are fully in 3D which we'll get to. And it, it just came at about the time when there was a big sort of spike uh, through someone's face in 3D cinema where everybody was doing it. You know, you had Clash of the Titans, you had My Bloody Valentine, you had and you had this. Uh, so we're just going to talk about this and see see if the 3D actually added anything to the film
0: at all. Uh, it's funny because the word added has got 3D's in it. That's my mind blown <laughs> and mine then that's all the thinking i'm going to be able to do for the whole episode <laughs> you okay. stopped in the first 5 minutes Fine. uh okay gas on bill
1: yeah with gas we will talk about bill it's the gas on bill podcast for real you know what gas talk
0: about bill it's the gas on bill podcast for real oh. i went to secret cinema on sunday i mean secret can you tell anyone about this it's a Secret Cinema Sunday. Well, actually, what I'm going to say is... Highly um, ...if highly confidential. would like to avoid spoilers, then um, they should skip ahead. But I'm not going to talk about the specific details of things anyway, because that's kind of against the rules of it. But I can just give oh. you a taster of what it was like. Okay. I mean, not against the rules, but they prefer people not to ruin it for everyone else.
1: Oh, okay. What, so is this something, the one that you've been to, is
0: it going to happen a few times then? It's on for... A couple, like each one that they do, I believe, is on for a couple of months. Okay. So I'm not sure how regularly they do it each week. Um, certainly, like three times a week, but it's not like loads of times a day. Or certainly, time. three times a week. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So, what did you um, go and see? So, this secret cinema was Blade Runner The Final Cut. Okay. So, we've talked about Blade Runner and its sequel at length on this podcast before. Yeah. Um, and I was keen to go and see it. Um, okay. You, on the other hand, were not. I was off. not keen, yeah. Um, before I get onto my pros and cons, why why were you not up for going to see it?
1: Um, because I was volunteering at Tough Mudder Midlands.
0: And I would right, planned but, that for quite a long time. Okay, fair enough. Are you are you against seeing this type of thing? or uh, No, but I probably wouldn't choose to go and see Blade Runner. Okay.
1: I'd, I'd go and see the running man. I like how you're putting the emphasis on the wrong words on both of these, but Or sure. Blade. I'd go and see Blade or the Running Man.
0: I don't think they'll do either of those. It's a shame.
1: Because they could if they were doing blade, they could do the blood out of the sprinklers,
0: you know? Yeah, that'd be pretty good. So talking yeah. of that, right, sure there then. was um there was a rain room in this one, which was pretty good. And when I say rain room, it made you feel like you were in um sort of LA from whatever it was 2017 in the film uh, that was sort of uh, of Japanese inflected LA from the future with all the rain all the time. So here are the pros, Ollie. Okay. It was super immersive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, that's what you would hope. That's what you hope. So just to kind of try and paint a picture without giving too much away. It was like the setting of parts of the original blade runner so they'd like built an interior env- environment that was kind of like a nighttime place that i got there probably about 6 30 and having been there in about half an hour or something like that it just felt like i'd been up at midnight out on like a sort of busy city street for hours by that point because you kind of just like lose all sense of outside time um so it was very immersive there were lots of restaurants and stuff like that. Now I mean obviously that's a pretty capitalist sort of endeavour. <laughs> like okay. oh yeah, stick some restaurants in and they'll buy some food. Um but well, cool, it also yeah. it was it was themed very well alongside the um the the film stylings which is cool. Okay. Like after I went in to start watching the film I nipped out to go to the bathroom in the middle of it and I just kind of thought, well you know what, I'm just going to have a wander around outside in the sort of, like, the place. And that was totally allowed. I actually spoke to somebody behind one of the bars in there, and they said, um, some nights loads of people are doing this and they just wander around. Other nights everyone just watches the film. Yeah, Um, okay. So I just took advantage of exploring like all of the different sets and checking out all the stuff that they've done, the kind of level of detail they've gone to and stuff. Which was cool. Um, okay. The other thing was it was a pretty so another pro was it was a pretty bespoke experience. So like I think I could maybe go three or four times and have a different sort of experience based on the sort of archetype that they set you. So okay. you go on a website beforehand and answer some questions relating to the movie, right? And it's sort of a personality test, like from um what they what they do with the the, the voice camp test or something like that yeah the one that they try and fool the, the androids with okay um so you answer the questions and then they tell you which type of they don't call them archetypes but they basically give you a job uh for right. you to then go to an off world off world colony with so that was cool because i met a character that character then gave the people around me different missions to do and i got a, like not so much of they weren't like your mission is this but like we were kind of asked hey would you mind going to see this person i need like this thing from them okay. so i was sent off on a mission to get some pain medication for somebody when from, when I they ra- you were know. when they were asking you did
1: you know that they were acting or was it quite yeah
0: neutral? so so i'm not on my cons yet but oh, okay the actor that gave me my experience the person i was supposed to meet first Mm-hmm. He was very good. Wow. Okay. And it felt wow. Like a it felt like I was pretty involved there like it was pretty natural and it, it was cool. You were immersed. I like, oh, yeah. yeah, I was pretty immersed. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll go there. So I was sent off to a bar to find some uh special pain medication from a dodgy guy called Felix. Uh, what I would say actually is the bar in this was like this 1930s prohibition style place. With crazy, like, sky mirror neons that just went on forever up into the roof. And it was, like, probably cooler than, like, any real bars that have actually been at. <laughs> Okay. Like, it felt like it was a real proper sort of, like, movie location. It was cool.
2: Okay. And it had,
0: like, a live singer and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, I'm getting into too much detail. The okay. pro here is I feel like I got that mission, but I could have been given, like, two or three others. And I was just one of the archetypes. So right. Okay. The, so the types of experience you could get are probably like 25 times as many as what I got. Wow. Um, Okay. So that was all cool. Couple of cons. When I started watching the film, they had a sort of cinema accompaniment bit. So next to, there were lots of big screens. Um, kind of hard to explain the layout but next to them they had these sort of scaffolds and they kind of glowed different colors that matched the tone of the shot on the screen Mm -hmm. and then in front of them there were silhouette oh sorry behind them there were actors silhouetting uh some of the movements that were going on so like during an interrogation scene there were like silhouettes of people behind uh this sort of colored light i just didn't feel like that really added anything at all was
1: it more of a distraction
0: yeah definitely
1: Okay. Was it was it like me going yeah um yeah um yeah agree throughout throughout an interview?
0: A little bit, yeah. Okay. I mean, you've definitely improved at that. Okay. Like you already kind of picked up some of the acting was a little bit studenty. Yeah. Um, like sort of amateur dramatic. Some of it was great though. Yeah. Okay. Um and the only other thing I would say is some of the like suggested costumes or things to bring didn't a bit feel like, right. Well, some of them were. Like the women's options didn't seem like, they were <laughs> just corsets and stuff on their shops. Right. <laughs> Which is a bit weird. No, that wasn't what I was going to say. It was just that the selections they had didn't seem to really match the film. Okay. Like, the, they asked people to bring goggles because some one of the archetypes was, like, technician. And if you remember the technician guy from the film, he makes the eyeballs and he's got these special goggles to, like, kind of look at what he's doing. Right. But, like, everyone was there in goggles. It was like being okay. a sort of a steampunk S- camden sort thing, of right. thing. Uh. Which didn't, Nightmare. to me, match Blade Runner at all. Some of the other costumes were good, but basically their archetypes were a little bit off, I think. There's a, just the, out of interest, there is actually a, a steampunk exhibition in Coventry this weekend coming. <laughs> that just basically follows you around, doesn't it? I'm going to get out of town. Goth one in uh, Whitby and then steampunk in Coventry. I know. I'm waiting for the cyber goth one. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent yeah Um, overall I liked it and actually I think there was was a lot uh, more to get out of it but it's a pretty expensive thing to do more than once so um, I would recommend people if they see a film that they are really into they should go to one in feature what film would you like to see as a secret cinema film what do you think would work I remember like about 20 years ago that I saw that there was a sort of aliens experience somewhere and I never got a chance to see it because I was too young at the time but okay. that looked pretty good. It was like running about like colonial marines and like... Then, oh, I you know, did that. Trocadero. I did that. It was in the did Trocadero Centre in London. Um, I think we've maybe talked about this in uh, a previous podcast. But yeah, sorry, go, go ahead. Was yeah, so
1: it was really good. Yeah, so it was obviously a guy in an alien suit, but you didn't see him that much. And when you did yeah. see the alien suit, it was all kind of like strobe lit and lots of smoke. Cool. So it was really good the way they hid it it was it a was really good experience. And what they also did was they had, like, kind of, I guess, patsies in the audience. One guy and a, um, and a girlfriend or a friend or whatever. Uh, I don't want to make assumptions about their relationship. So they were obviously <laughs> actors. So the Marine was, like, barking orders at, at all sorts of different people. And he told this one guy, um, OK, it's your job to go and pull that lever. We're going to go past and we're going to pull this lever at the same time or, you know, something like that. And... Um, mm-hmm as he pulled it the door opened and an alien uh, drags this guy out into a room and
0: it was that was pretty shocking um, because you thought he was just one of you
1: well I was I was about 11 at the time so that absolutely blew my mind oh. <laughs> I was thinking that could have been me and what would I have done would I have hit the guy in the suit would I have I don't, would I have yeah, I don't know. you know what would you have done um, um, actually what, what it is the best thing is that the marine guy's like go 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 through the door so you're like everyone's legging it through the door um, and there's loads of smoke, so you can't see where you're going, and you basically run out into the shopping centre screaming. It's amazing. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah, so that was really cool. That was, I think, that was called Alien War. Yes, that's what it was called. Yeah, so it I would was like very to see that
0: come back. It was very good. Okay. Cool. What, what would you like to see in secret cinema? Uh, oh, you've already said. Yeah, well, Running Man, the Running Man, and Blade.
1: Have him, watched the Holy Grail, Monty Python recently, and. And my son Eric said that it was the funniest film he's ever seen. Like he couldn't, he couldn't handle how funny it was. And every (laughs) every scene just kept getting funnier and funnier and funnier. And I loved it as well. So actually, I think I I'd quite like to see Holy Grail uh, as a secret cinema, maybe somewhere like Kenilworth Castle, or you know, with with all sorts of like medieval kind of stuff going on. Everyone has to dress as like a um, a poor person from the film, or you know, a night at the round table and you, and you have all the kind of medieval stuff going on, all the kind of funny Monty Python things. I th- actually think Holy Grail would be a bloody excellent secret cinema.
0: That's cool. Wow. Yeah.
1: I, I think wow. one of the things... That I'm, gonna, do... I'm so putting a wow over that because you, you genuinely sound like, that would be good. <laughs>
0: okay, so I'm, I'm invested. <laughs> Are you going to go and find Duncan Banatine again and uh, pitch it to him? Listen, Ollie. I've not told the listeners that I've seen Duncan oh, yeah. Bannatyne in, in the flesh. So if people want to know about that, they'll listen to the uh, they'll li- listen to the June preview a with a life score, where you are can hear about
1: Ian's close encounter with uh, the real Duncan Bannatyne and and stars of music, film, and screen. Okay, cool. Well, um, that's I next think, week. I think that sounds good. I think Secret Cinema sounds pretty cool. Um, yeah, and I'd, I'd definitely be up for one in the future, and hopefully they'll do a, a Holy Grail one.
0: Yep. Cool. Uh, okay, let's let's um, have a listen cool. to this interview then, shall we? All right, I'm here with David Addis, who's a work colleague of mine. Uh, we've worked together probably for
2: two and a half years now? So Something like that. Feels like longer.
0: Yeah. So um, what's your role? What's your day-to-day role, just so people understand what with me at work.
2: (laughs) So, day to day, uh, I help develop our software. Uh Uh, We've been working on a game called Dawn of Titans for five years, or I've been on it for five years, Um, and day to day we add new features to the game, keep it running because we've got thousands of players, tens of thousands of players, well, more than that even, worldwide. Keep it running for them and um, fix bugs that crop up as well.
0: Cool. So, we're going to get to the bottom of what you think about immersive cinema and other types of immersive experience, but um, we've worked together on what people would probably imagine to be sort of the standard version of games, so like sort of linear games, um, and they're actually mobile games as well, so not the sort of console experiences, but nothing. we've not worked on things together that are... um, Immersive in a way beyond people currently expect from their video games. That's but right yep. You have done some R&D on the tech for slightly more immersive uh, stuff like Oculus and uh, mm-hmm. VR headsets and so on. So what's your experience so far on, like from that and uh, what if anything differs from normal
2: game development? Uh, so some of that will be under NDA, so I won't be able to talk about it. Specific yeah, so features like. very broadly, um, the types
0: of experience, and then maybe some of the things that make it easy or hard, or interesting. Or.
2: Yeah, so I mean, the the biggest difference between uh, a VR game and a standard game that you would get on your mobile phone is that you are in the world rather than just looking at it. Yeah. So you can look in any direction; it surrounds you in every way. Um, with the modern VR headsets—it's also in stereo 3D, yeah. so you have a sense of depth. Um, it doesn't trick your eye into every sense of understanding depth, but it does most of them. Okay. And uh, it's a very, very compelling and believable 3D world.
0: Do you do you find that um, your eyes, or just your cognitive experience of it, your brain does the filling in the blanks and that most of the
2: time? Uh, yes, it does. Um, so, I mean, things can look a little bit unreal uh, because rendering technology is still not quite photorealistic, mm-hmm. at least with uh, you know, modern animations as well. Um, but yeah, you you tend to fill in the gaps and and sort of feel like you are in this place, even if it's quite abstract. Yeah um the only problem we have is really with motion sickness i was just going to Um, mention that yeah um or (laughs) the only really big problem that no one really knows how to solve yet
0: and is it right that uh, because i've not really experienced too much of it myself certainly not in the sense that i would need to um play a build of our game daily and test it out sort of thing and people who have worked on that I've mentioned that it is quite bad, but certain people are affected, and then other people are just not at all.
2: Yes, it does seem to vary from person to person. Uh, some people are very susceptible to feeling sick. Other people can, can take it for a long time, and they're fine. Um, but it does tend to catch up with everyone sooner or later, depending on the experience. Okay. And what, what is really fascinating is that some people have found little tricks to help alleviate the motion sickness. Like uh, Google Earth is, the, I think, the best example of being able to navigate around and move where you are mm-hmm. in space. And what they do is they, they blank out everything around your peripheral vision and just focus on a small area and then move that small area. So you feel like the rest of your, you, you know, you're not really moving, just this tiny area is moving. Mm-hmm. And then when you stop, they fill it all in again. So okay, you feel yeah. like you've been transported to this other place and you could control it, yeah. but you didn't get the sense of motion in between.
0: Yeah, rather than being sort of blasted through space and time yes. as you make little leaps. Yeah. Although um. actually
2: linear motion in a single direction is fine as long as you don't accelerate. Because if you think about moving forwards, you don't feel an acceleration mm-hmm. if you're moving at a constant speed. Um, but. It's only when you start changing direction or starting and slowing down Mm. that it feels horrible. You get the sort of stomach lurch. Um,
0: Okay, so that's uh, kind of the type of thing that you've worked on. Have you found any particular problems in developing for it or uh, not so much like uh, motion sickness but things that make it trickier to develop captivating experiences? I mean the sort of uncanny valley or like lack thereof in rendering technology and, and that sort of thing is one piece but in terms of spatial um, awareness or development like the type of thing that's put to mind you kind of hinted at already was um, the the experiences you're, you're in it rather than looking at it mm. that suggests like UI stuff might be different mm. so you're not going to have necessarily a HUD that you touch buttons on, but they may appear in a sort of heads-up display in front of you.
2: Yeah, the, the presentation is completely different. Mm-hmm. So, being in the game, it means if you put the character right in the centre of the action, are they going to have to look behind themselves, sort of, you know, every so often? Which is really uncomfortable. Um, or, you know, how much of their field of view are you going to fill with stuff they need to concentrate on? Yeah. And you sort of need to get the balance about right where it feels like you're feeling enough of what's in front of them to yeah. feel comfortable and give them the ability to look around. But not so much that they're having to look behind and crane behind their neck and yeah, look okay. straight up or straight down, which is also kind of horrible. Um, so getting that balance right and also putting the character in the right place. Mm-hmm. Because naturally we want to be at a human's height above the ground, mm-hmm. but in a real-time strategy game you sort of want to be hovering over the battlefield in some kind of helicopter, you know, like a bird's eye view of of the situation. And um, to find exactly where that sweet spot is in terms of how much you can see and how high you are, how far away you are, that's really difficult. Um, In certain games, you get this sense of toyification where they actually um, uh, make the world feel like a toy in front of you so that it's more...
0: Um, like yeah, the, the battlefield almost kind of um, could become something that appears on a table. Yes. So more like an um, actual Warhammer rather than being inside the game.
2: Exactly, you know, yeah. And then that becomes quite comfortable. Um, and then if you move your head, say, half a meter to the right, you can cover a lot more distance. Uh, you, know, you can get from one part of the battlefield to another quickly. Um, whereas if I move my head half a meter to a right on a real battlefield, I don't get very far. Yeah, exactly. that doesn't really yeah. help me out. So sort of shrinking the world down when you have to deal with these large spaces yeah. um, can be quite a useful trick. Um, user interface, the UI, is totally different. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a different problem entirely because we tend to throw up little widgets and screen displays and dials and, and you know, scroll bars and things all over the place yeah. in a, a really conventional game. But you can't just have something rendered to the player's view because then it moves with them and that can feel quite jarring. Mm. Um, what is generally accepted nowadays is more in-context menus. Yeah. So you have some sort of bubble or, or message window or just an icon that will hover above the thing you're about to interact with mm-hmm. that tells you what you can do with it. And I think even nicer than that Are the the interfaces that are more realistic, grounded in the real world? So if you pick up a
0: handle and open exactly,
2: yeah, Yeah, or pick up a gun and you see how many bullets are in it somehow, Um, you know these kind of interfaces I think are more natural and a lot more fun.
0: Yeah. Okay, so um, we've talked a little bit about games. So moving outside of the office here, um, what type of stuff have you been working on that? It's slightly outside the realms of um, linear, straightforward, conventional filming. Uh, Mm. You like to film stuff for personal projects and that sort of thing. Um, I do. But you're also a sort of gadget aficionado and you've got lots of uh, fun kit to play with.
2: I do, yes. So, uh, yeah, I do some uh, filmography kind of just for fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I make short movies about social dancing Or body painting, something like that, and um, make a little movie, put it together, um, put it on my YouTube channel, and it's fun. Um, What's your YouTube channel? uh, It's just my name, David Addis, so you can find it very easily. And uh, that's really fun, and it's it's nice to you know craft something. Um, In parallel with that, I've also investigated three sixty video, and then making something that you can watch in VR. So uh, I have this camera which is really eight cameras. It's yeah. got eight lenses, all, point, all pointing out in four directions, in pairs, and it maps a complete 360-degree sphere. And then it creates actually two of these spheres, one for each eye, and then you can look around when you put a headset on later and watch the video, in stereo 3D. Yeah. So you can look in any direction, and you get a sense of depth. And it's, it's a, 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 an amazing feeling. Of coming back and watching this video and feeling like you're back Back there. And it's, to me, the closest I've ever come to capturing a memory and feeling like I've gone somewhere and done something and seen the thing and then later come back and revisited that place. Mm -hmm. It's like I've gone back to that place. And that is magical for me because suddenly I can just revisit something Mm -hmm. I I went to in the past or show a friend. And what's
0: interesting about that though is that well, uh, so, say for example it was a narrative and in a way going from the start of, um, you have a video of when you're at this uh, body painting festival mm-hmm. and you were going through a procession and a mm-hmm. um, in a parade, in a sense that is a narrative, you're moving from one end of the street to another and lots of events, little or not, you know, big things, little things, mm-hmm. they are a sort of narrative of things that happened over that sort of minute or two that you went along the street, but the thing with it is, even though it's linear, each time you watch it, you can have your head tilted in a different direction and kind of <laughs> see true. what else is going on. So there's that kind of element of perceiving things a different way.
2: Yes. Actually that is a challenge for VR filmmakers. Because how do you direct someone's attention to an important event? In conventional filmmaking, it's either on the screen or it isn't. Yeah. I mean it might be subtle, yeah. um, but it's there. You you know There's also the lots of
0: techniques for sort of leading the eye, which are yeah. kind of 100 plus years old in terms of the conventions for shot composition and all that sort of stuff. In this case, it kind of just blows all of that up. I mean, kind of leading the eye in certain directions kind of needs to be employed across a much different sort of canvas now, yeah. which is yeah. cool.
2: Um, I think VR 360, which is this you know, uh, video feed where you can look in any direction, uh, is, is now competing with VR 180, which is really only front-facing view. Yeah. And I think that might actually end up being a more popular format simply because filmmakers can control what you're looking at. They can stand behind the camera. You know, when I'm recording something, I have to figure out where I put myself, which yeah. is kind of weird. You know, do I just sort of stand next to it or do I go and hide behind a bush? Yeah. Um, it's like an odd situation. Uh, VR180 means you can control what the, the, the user is looking at and then actually direct an experience with a little more control.
0: Yeah. The three sixty stuff maybe lends itself slightly more to less linear narratives mm-hmm. and things we don't need to direct it in. like sports events for example like seeing what it's like to be in the stadium and that sense of scale and size and that sort mm-hmm. of thing is interesting but ultimately you're kind of still looking one way I mean, actually I'm just kind of top myself out of that point because if you just want to see the court at a basketball game or the football pitch you kind of really aiming Way, you? Yeah, do you want to yeah. look at a guy eating his hot dog behind
2: you, I mean maybe very briefly yeah. for one second just to, <laughs> That's just what to I'm get a feeling thought. of that but yeah it's, it's a lot of wasted data actually yeah. in 360 when you consider most people are looking within that front 90 degrees really yeah. um, but having said that I think all of that may eventually be dwarfed by proper 6DOF video Yeah. so 6 degrees of freedom not only can you rotate your head and look in any direction. But you, you can also move it. Yeah. So you get this sense of parallax moving left and right. And that is a technology that is now being born as we speak and mm-hmm. um, by Facebook with their X24 camera, which mm-hmm. has got twenty-four lenses. And they do a, a full sort of volumetric capture of the environment they're in. Um, and then you can later revisit that environment. And you you have this small field in which you can move. Mm-hmm. And then you, you have the most wonderful sense of presence there because you can look in any direction um, and really get a sense of parallax and really fulfills a sort of human need to understand the environment much mm. better.
0: The other thing that, that that sort of logically leads on to, though, the way it's captured is harder, is the... Uh, haptic control and uh, mm. like tactile touching or moving of things within the world, mm. and uh, the likes of you know the uh, three hundred and sixty um, treadmill that you see mm. in like the likes of um, Ready Player One. So when you pair that um, parallax type movement with inputs that allow you to explore in the world, that kind of changes it that nth degree more. Um, that then throws up lots of Potential issues with like real direction and how you uh, how do you curate an experience like that that can be lived in is that more game or is it experiential and right now stuff like secret cinema which we'll talk about on the podcast a little bit is kind of the real life physical version of that where you're kind of living in a created world that's part of the film lore and all that sort of stuff so it's a fun sort of area to think about the way things are going with that. Um
2: uh, I think sort of capturing the real world lends itself better to an experience you can navigate around and view. Yeah. And then an actual interactive game is something that lends itself better to um, giving the player haptic feedback and being able to interact with the environment. Yeah. And, uh, something
0: that's built rather than captured. Basically. Yes,
2: exactly. Yes. So, I mean, there are advances going on in haptic technology as well. Like, um, I mean, the treadmill, is, as you say, which will, uh, it's not really haptic because it doesn't force, it doesn't give you a sort of sense of force feedback, um, but it does enable you to uh, navigate. But also these, um, like, gloves that will actually resist you while you try and grip something, for example. Um, so, you could pick up a gun with one of these gloves and feel like the, the outline of the gun in your hand, yeah, and you wouldn't really be holding it. You'd like that, wouldn't you? I, I mean, <laughs> who wouldn't? Um, we <laughs> have
0: on the first podcast this month we talked about the potential for haptic crotches, right? So, um, <laughs> you can imagine how that went.
2: I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, it, porn may well be the the thing that yeah. actually drives a lot of this technology the leader, forward, yeah. But that is nothing new. Yeah, you know exactly. that's why VHS won over Betamax.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what else yeah so the next thing I had on my list of questions was just what do you think of the content that's currently out there in terms of cinema experiences that go beyond just the 2D cinema so 3D 4DX um, IMAX as well to some degree I mean that it's not it's only immersive in the sense that it it encapsulates your Mm. vision but these types of things like what experiences have you had in these and what
2: do you think of them? Generally, i found them to be quite disappointing. Yeah? Um, I say that as a creator myself with very few good, uh, you know, experiences that i put out there. Um, it It is difficult...
0: <laughs> That's quite dismissive. Well,
2: it's because it's so difficult, yeah. really. You know, you know it's... Um, uh, <laughs> anyone can pick up a camera, sorry, a phone with a camera in it and kind of film a blog, record themselves, and uh, it's it's easily people understand it well. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you can piece together the narrative by kind of pointing the phone at the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, with a VR experience, you have to think very carefully about where do you put the camera? How far away can people go? Are there other technical problems like the stitch lines between the lenses? Um, and I think because people haven't really understood how to tackle all these problems yet, we still have very immature experiences yeah. So if you go and watch a VR movie right now on Amaze or TV or, or you know the Oculus mm-hmm. video thing or Facebook video, um, they're all very sort of quite childish experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing has really impressed me yet. Okay. I think we're waiting for some kind of movie to be done right yeah. or some filmmaker to come along and say, look, this is how you do it. And then we'll slowly learn how to make these experiences better.
0: Yeah, it feels like um, when I was in uni, which is like eight or nine years ago now or something like that, but um, that's at the point where I kind of seem to remember people first bringing up that this is going to become the next big thing. Mm. And the time since then till now, it feels like we've made huge advances in terms of the tech to do the capture or let people view it. But as far as the content itself, we've not really... Like that same thing that you just said, which is we're waiting for something to really kind of grab Mm. it and harness the best of the technology to convince people Mm. this is the way to go. Mm. Um, And yeah, I I would agree that we've not really seen the best of it yet. Mm.
2: Um, The one thing I would probably say... Do you think Jim Cameron's going to crack it? Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. I think someone with deep pockets might... Cause yeah. they'll have the ability to experiment with the very best technology Yeah. because at the moment the technology is quite prohibitive as well yeah. like you can buy a prosumer camera mm-hmm. to record 360 3d video but it'll only be okay mm-hmm. um, if you want to record something really good it will cost you thousands yeah. um, I, I mean the one thing yeah. I've learnt uh, is that you want to treat the viewer like they are a person yeah so They either have a function within the scene, i.e. they are, you know, your quiet partner in the car um, while you're, if you're two police officers driving to a scene or something, um, or, uh, you know, they are the role of a security camera or something in in the scene. So So they kind of have a place and... But if you just shove the camera down and then have something happen around it, that's kind of not enough on its own. Yeah. Um, the best VR experience I've made is the one that opens with me talking directly to the camera. Yeah, And I, I think people like that, people like to be treated like they're a it, person. It gives I'm a now. reason for being,
0: which I think yeah. kind of goes back to um, the type of pointing things out of the screen with 3D feels strange because you don't know where the cinema audience of people fits into where that axe was just thrown Mm. that's Mm. kind of now protruding out towards your eyes but you know you're not there and you're also not now on the receiving end of some like sort of killing blow from a mass murder in My Bloody Valentine or something so Mm. yeah it's one of those kind of strange things.
2: I'm so glad we're over the days of axes protruding out of screens, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I am a bit sad that most 3D movies are not shot in 3D; they're just converted to 3D afterwards.
0: Yeah, of course, like the sort of just added perspective yeah. added on. What types of cinema experience in a more immersive way um, would you like to see? Is there any type of thing that you think lends itself to the technology that's out there at the moment, or? that you would enjoy, because as you mentioned, you weren't loving the sort of jets of air or like the sort of very basic stuff that you're seeing at the moment in the cinema. What kind of thing would you like to see?
2: Yeah, so what we currently have is is kind of limited. Like if you go to a four D cinema showing, they do like rotate the chair a bit and yeah, blast air in your face and even drip water on your head, which um, uh, they give you an option to turn it off, Yeah, which oh, maybe yeah. It tells you something about, yeah. like, you know, it's not for everyone. This didn't test well. <laughs> no, no. Focus testers said, nah. Some people loved it. Uh, um, I, I don't think there's really anything you definitely can and definitely can't do. Hmm. Um, I, I think anything that involves rapid accelerations to the camera are a lot more challenging um, ironically, there's a lot of roller coaster experiences, mm. but I don't think they work well because mm. you don't get the feeling of acceleration, but you see it and that makes you feel sick.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, so, so you think of those big sort of um,
0: piston type, operator type things that you get <laughs> at like motor shows and stuff like that, and you jump inside a simulator.
2: If you combine them together, you do get a really quite scary experience, um, mm. it's really exhilarating. And actually that works quite well. So if all of the technologies came together, Mm. then I think that gives you a bit more scope. Um, But I I want to see experiences um, of things that I can't do in my day-to-day life. Mm. So going to a place that I simply couldn't go to, like the bottom of the ocean or Mm. outer space, um, or or seeing something done that is too dangerous to see in real life. I think you'll get to space one day, David. In, in real life, in real VR. Life, yeah. okay. I would love to go to space. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, um, friend of the podcast, Peter um, and I went to see uh, Rampage and 4DX, and the bit that he said he enjoyed the most was a sequence where they float through sort of space and through a space station at the start, and that thing where they kind of just tilt the chairs or lift them, raise them up and down, that sort of thing. plus it doesn't give you a real sense of motion it kind of confuses your head into thinking that there's like a kind of as as it tilts from a front facing uh, tilt uh, all the way back to kind of the opposite aiming upwards just gives you a sense that some kind of movement has happened and if the screen matches up to it it's quite good Mm. Um, and I kind of felt that as well and also some things that don't actually simulate what's on screen but give you maybe something that your brain's compensating for so like there was a moment in that film where a helicopter accelerated away in front of you. You weren't seeing it from the point of view of within the helicopter, <coughs> within the helicopter. But as it raised up, the seats tilted. Mm. As it kind of prepared and then like flew away, the seats tilted then the opposite way again, and it gave you like some sense of movement that was not POV, but like something mm. which was quite cool. Um, so yeah. there's like trickery
2: rather than complete immersion. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't think they have to marry up like one to one. Like, yeah. oh, it's a twenty-degree incline, so we yeah. have to tilt the chair. Exactly, yeah. I think just some kind of motion to overcome you, that you sense s- of. You saying that's just made me think like
0: directors being like, "I need twenty percent more <laughs> tilt." <laughs> just like yeah. turn the
2: tilt to eleven. <laughs> I mean, for all I know, they do say
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's kind of it. Unless you get any other parting gifts
2: from the immersive uh thought box of yours um you know what i think what will make the biggest difference over the next five years is technology the quality and the accessibility of it Uh, because the vr headsets we have now the first generation ones like the oculus rift are fine but they're still very low resolution they have a great big cable dangling over the back of your head i think as we have cheaper more accessible vr of a higher quality more people will try it yeah and that that then means that
0: instead of taking like decades to arrive at what the sort of real form factor is for the types of content we just get there a lot faster Mm -hmm. because there's more brainstorming and trying and failing and all that sort of stuff
2: and I think quite crucially, in the last few weeks, uh, we've had our first cheap, good VR headset, the Oculus yeah, Go. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are going to get that and it will uh, democratize uh, mm-hmm. VR to an extent, because finally people will be able to buy a, a headset for $200 mm-hmm. and it will be good, mm-hmm. and they'll actually enjoy it and yeah. tell their friends. So I'm looking forward to it. I think the future is bright. Yeah, cool. All right, so quickfire questions then. Okay. What was the last film that you saw? Uh, on any service or at the cinema any where, anywhere the, the, literally the last
0: film that you've watched
2: the last film I watched was Annihilation on Netflix oh yeah and uh, which actually based on your question of where
0: did I see it the irony is that they wanted to put that in the cinema oh right um, but the director said that kind of lent itself to being on a bigger screen and he was a bit annoyed that they only ended up distributing it in the UK on Netflix oh really so,
2: well, okay. what did you think I thought it was very well done Yeah But I didn't enjoy it Because it <laughs> creeped me the hell out Oh right Okay I was it, But I mean that's a testament To how effective the film was Okay Because it made me feel Very very creepy While they were inside the glimmer <laughs> Yeah And uh When they sort of Finally understood what was going on I was really freaked out by it So okay. it worked very well Okay Similar then What's your favourite film of all time? Uh oh Um that's How long fun. do I get to think about it? Um, Five seconds, <laughs> four, three, <laughs> two... Um, I really loved The Incredibles
0: by oh, Pixar. Really?
2: Okay, yeah, cool. It's just it's so funny and so well done yeah. and a really wonderful story. That's an interesting
0: choice. I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, I really liked it as well, but for some reason it doesn't kind of spring to mind when I think of best film of all time. But, it, I mean, it's, there's a lot to admire about it, definitely. And also the sequel's coming. Hmm? Yeah. are you excited for the sequel? well
2: initially I wasn't because I thought no don't ruin the perfect movie yeah. um, but I haven't seen the trailers I think it'll be fun looks pretty good yeah mm. okay uh, popcorn half and half
0: the question was do you like it or not oh right but uh, presumably if you're half and halfing it yeah you like it love it oh dear so you go for half salt half sweet mm-hmm. what about the uh, toffee variety uh, it's too sticky yeah. Yeah, okay. I like my
2: popcorn light and fluffy.
0: Okay. Um, all right, this is a wild card question. Would you prefer to have an eye that can record 360 video? Yeah. Or a haptic crotch?
2: <laughs> um, be <laughs> honest. <laughs> Does my crotch still function? you know, normally yeah, haptic crotch is
0: oh uh, no, hold on, yeah because it wouldn't be negotiable
2: whether you had the eye or not so actually this is full replacement <laughs> oh right, okay I mean, I'm not sure I want anyone uh, for fiddling too much down there um, <laughs> by the way, both can be pervy in the own way yeah. you've got a 360i yeah. people are going to be wondering what you're doing with that you you a lot of opportunities um, <laughs> so the 360i the thing is, the problem is, both of these technologies will date over time, and yeah. my own biology. And unfortunately, like <laughs> sort mid twenty eighteen is when you're getting your newly installed yeah. piece. So, gotta decide, and you're stuck with it forever. Can I just wait and buy both in five years' time off the shelf? <laughs> right, but there's a commitment here. You lose your real eye in favor of this three hundred and sixty eye. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think uh, the haptic crotch is going to be a bit too difficult to explain to my wife. So okay. I'll probably go with the eye. Um, I know that I should be that, more useful. That return time. home
0: uh, is a difficult conversation. <laughs> Listen, darling. <laughs> uh, okay, and then what's your life score? So basically, out of 10, how are things going right now?
2: Oh, right. right That's now? a really interesting yeah. thing. I've never heard of this concept. I mean, if I give myself a high mark, it sounds like I'm bragging. Oh, brother. Doesn't it? But um, I'm pretty happy. I'm going to give myself an 8.5. Cool original?
0: No, not cool original. We have cool original 7, and I guess an 8.5 is pretty classy. Classy 8.5. <laughs> uh, cool. Excellent. Thanks very much, David. And remind people how they can find your videos on YouTube. Um, just search for my name,
2: David Double D I S. okay great thanks
1: um i mean do you want me to rate it now without having heard hearing it or yeah so like as if you've just heard it
0: let's hear what you thought of it
1: It it's really good ian just on form i think you've you've learned from your previous interview uh you made sure your interviewee was very relaxed obviously uh good rapport and you managed to get some real uh gems of information out of him so yeah
0: I, I really enjoyed that potentially <laughs> potentially for those that haven't already been able to tell ollie hasn't heard that interview that you've just heard and he was guessing at the content but yeah i thought it was actually it was it was really good Whoa. Wow! and I'd happily have another chat with him about other video projects that he does as wow. well and maybe get him involved in stuff that we're doing okay. okay okay so what do you want to talk about next ollie i want
1: to talk about the final destination Have you seen any of the Final Destination films before?
0: Yeah. I think there was a kind of weird thing about the ones that were on, uh, because we've watched today, uh, we've watched the fourth one, The Final Destination, on Amazon Prime. Yeah. And I'm just going to give you the official synopsis. The official synopsis.
1: After a young man's premonition of a deadly car race car crash helps save the lives of his peers, death sets out to collect those who evaded their end. It was called The Final Destination, so I think, rather unnecessarily, it was a little bit of a reboot of the series. Um, It didn't seem to have anything to do with the other ones at all. It, It didn't have Tony Todd in it, for example, who was like the kind of death character. Yeah, so it just kind of didn't really have anything to do with the other ones. So it's very much like a standalone film in the series. It's actually at 5.2 out of 10, it's the lowest rated film in the Final
0: Destination franchise. Okay, well, just to actually answer your question from before, since you gave the official synopsis in the middle, I have seen some of the others. But the reason I mentioned um, Amazon Prime is because they're all on there now. Yeah. but when i when i looked before there was only 5 like number 5 yeah and then they've kind of introduced the other ones in a sort of strange order so i watched 5 and then i started watching 4 and i watched the rest of that today so i've not i think i must have seen at least one of the earlier ones at some point in my life but not really in a memorable or i can't, haven't committed it to memory okay so i'll check the rest out cuz I actually think like spoiler alert but I actually think like for all the bad acting and terrible characterization yeah. and stuff like that like the set pieces are a good laugh yeah definitely yeah i I love the format wow. and
1: I think the build ups to these kind of set pieces where so so basically the the crack in every single final destination film is.
0: The, the, the premise
1: start, for those that are unaware of what the crack is it is the premise yeah uh, so <laughs> okay so at the very start of of every single final destination film there's always like a, a kind of big gory cataclysmic event that kills multiple people like in number one it's a plane crash in number two it's a freeway pileup. In number three it's a roller coaster crash Number four, it's a kind of Daytona-style racetrack event. And then I think in number five, there's a bridge collapse. Um, yeah. And what happens is is you kind of get to see all that play out and all its gory details, but it always snaps to someone having it as a premonition. And then all the things start happening again. So there's lots of like little cues as to what's going to happen. So in this one... Um, someone shouts something and starts whistling, and and and, and a mum puts some tampons in a in their kids ears, which is quite funny. Um, as as kind of like because the cars are loud, so all these events start <laughs> happening again. All these events start happening again. A group of people end up leaving, and because they have evaded their fate, death comes for them throughout the rest of the film, and it's kind of played out in a sort of. Each set piece is a kind of mouse trap style sequence of events where you kind of and I think in this one they they really play with what's going to happen there's like tons of red herrings going along like all the yeah. time so you don't know how these people are going to die but it's always in this kind of like chain reaction domino rally effect which is which is a fun format to watch
0: it's basically like a massive Rube Goldberg machine but with loads yeah. of red herrings so, like, yeah. whatever the actual sequence that's going to kill people is, it's really convoluted. But yeah. then at the same time of it, as as that kind of building up, you've got three or four other things that are going on that you're like, oh, shit, that's bad as well. So the tension is pretty awesome in some of these. Yeah. There's a scene in the middle of this one where a woman goes to get her hair cut. Oh, it's brilliant. One of my notes for
1: this was this hair salon setup is either brilliant or well, too much, and then
0: two notes later, I've put
1: yeah, brilliant.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's really good because um, as well as some things that like like they sort of put a knot in your stomach just because they're so horrible. Um, yeah, not- like he's sort
1: of scraping um, this woman's cuticles on a toe, yeah, uh, with a kind of pedicure.
0: Um, no, they're scraper. actually it's not even the cuticles; it's actually underneath the nail. I oh yeah. uh, imagine that. So, yeah. like, basically, the the setup at the start of this is the seat that you know when you go to the hairdresser and they pump up the seat so that you can yeah. get to the pump right height up. for them to cut your hair. Yeah. Well, she's pumped up the seat and then it drops straight down because the catch on it's not working properly. Yeah. So as soon as that happens, you're like, "Uh oh, here we go." So yeah. it gets pumped up again, and obviously she's having her hair cut. So there are scissors in play. Danger. Yeah. <laughs> Danger. <laughs> okay. scissors are in play. <laughs> also um, in play is a squirt of conditioner on the floor which, which kids are going to fall over on uh, eventually yeah but what else is in play but but while that seat could drop there are these like intermittent shots of another woman who's giving the woman a pedicure and she's got this very sharp implement up underneath her toenails so if the seat were to drop her toenail would be whipped right off, and it was just making me cringe <laughs> think about it, thinking about it. And yeah. also, like the there are all these like inset shots of the scissors going really close to her eyes. Yeah. So all this stuff's going on, and she manages to evade all of it, and then at the end of the scene But there's more than that. There's more than that. There's um
1: <laughs> there the, there's, <laughs> there's more definitely more. <laughs> there is more. There's uh some there's so much. There's a ceiling fan that is kind of On the wane and it's and it's breaking. Yeah, and the other other amazing
0: thing about that is, it's the only ceiling fan I've ever seen that looks like it's got like swords for blades,
1: (laughs) and it literally half rips out the ceiling and nobody hears it as well. Yeah, and it's right above their head. And and there's also um, a can of hairspray that's firmly wedged between a pair of uh, malfunctioning hair straighteners. (laughs) Uh, So I mean, it's basically it's like what's going to kill this woman is it going to be the ceiling fan is it going to be something to do with the, the slippy conditioner is it going to be something to do with the malfunctioning chair is it going to be the hair straightener can scenario uh, you know what's it going to be it turns out it
0: was actually none beautiful. of them Yeah. and the, the scene right before when they arrive they sort of establishing shot at the hairdressers they arrive and then uh, they're going in the kids start like firing these pebbles at this guy who's um, going to mow the lawn yeah. but even this bit is annoyingly tense like I think that's what I'd say about a lot of it it's all yeah. annoyingly tense yeah basically there's a guy pouring um gasoline into his um lawnmower but he's also Ride smoking it smoking a cigarette which is like kind of like it's burnt halfway down but he's sort of like turning left and right really rapidly so yeah. at any time hot ash could fall from the cigarette. Yeah. and um, it doesn't and it doesn't and then it comes back out and one of the pebbles that the kids threw at the man gets flicked back very quickly by the lawnmower blade and um, just after the woman says I'm going to keep my eye on you, yeah. her other eye gets popped out by this pebble and she dies Yeah, okay. so I mean right that's just yeah. one example, What what type of thing did you think would work best for 3D
1: well, there was a few things that didn't work so well. So there was a broken bit of wood that sticks up, like a, a splinter on a like a wooden bench kind of gets ripped up and, and, is like, and becomes like a kind of impaling spike. And that sticks up in 3D, but because we're only watching it in 2D, that actually it doesn't work anymore because it just looks kind of like a weird flat 2D image. Um, yeah. and someone, somebody eventually uh, falls on it backwards and it, it goes through the back of their head and sticks through their mouth and it's just not that convincing whereas if it wasn't like such a slave to 3D then you might have got a better shot seeing it side on, do you know You're what I mean?
0: You're a slave
1: to 3D. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. There's another very obviously like early so is this like second generation 3D? like the it's, it's kind of bad 3d where it's it's sort of i think it's no, like but what I not mean is shot like, for, with a 3d first, camera first generation is like the the blue and green specs or blue and red specs.
1: yeah so this is the kind of polarizing um
0: glasses that you'd wear like the real 3d but but that this is still early days filmmaking for that platform that's all sure. i was trying to get at yeah Yeah, and so it's still at the point where there's a there's a guy who's been nail gunned to a wall, and he's trying to prevent this explosion from happening. So he's got a massive pole, a big erection, a flame on the end of it, (laughs) and and he's trying to point it at a sprinkler to make it um, rain. And just just Uh, want
1: to know that it's not an erection; it's just a big big bit of wood.
0: Yeah, that's right. He's pointing his erection at a sprinkler so that. Can and the tip is on fire. Um yeah, so he manages to get those that to rain. But basically you have a sort of um fire sprinkler eye view of the pole sticking up, kind of bending yeah. around, because it's a big floppy pole. Um, yeah. That's just basically pointing a bloody stick at people on the audience. <laughs> well, it happens a
1: few times, so a man is impaled on a uh, on a pole sticking out of a bit of concrete in three D. So there's wow. just a lot of sort of 3D deaths and like, you know, things will shoot towards the screen. Sort of there's it's it's the worst type of 3D where like things are just done so that, you know, something can come out of, of the screen. But it's it's just such a stupid kind of dumb film with daft characters. And it's it's 100 percent played for laughs and, and banter yeah. that so kind of almost, it, you know, it, it doesn't really
0: yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter. I I actually like this film franchise. It's just the three D thing is not really something I'm bothered about. Um, what was what was your favourite death from it? Ooh, um, I thought the best gore
1: was so it was the very first Daytona crash. Everybody makes it outside of the arena, uh, and a huge uh, tire bounces over the out of the arena mm-hmm. and crushes this woman. And you see her just splattered all over the floor in this, <laughs> with with this kind of. So there's a lot of Turns
2: CG. The
1: there's a lot of CG in the film, which which is a bit weird. Um, yeah. But this was one of the only practical effects, and and it was really good. That was that was probably my favourite death.
0: I think was was that.
1: So my that in the elevator.
0: My best bit. Oh yeah, the escalator grinding a girl up was pretty good. Although that was just a vision. So yeah primary vision. Um, my favourite bit was probably the it's sort of a head-to-head as to who was going to die and there's oh, yeah. this douchebag dish, dish guy who... Um, I think this is sex guy. Um, <laughs> so he's down at the pool and he's like accidentally... Just had, had... sex. <laughs> yeah. So he's inside the pool and uh, he's accidentally hit a thing that makes the pool um, have all the water taken out of it. Yeah. So the pressure that is going through some of the drainage there is pretty high. There's, mm-hmm. there's gallons and gallons of water coming out of this pool, um, yeah. and he gets sucked to the bottom of the pool. And actually, one thing about this is like he's underwater for the entire time that somebody manages to get rescued. So he probably would have just drowned by this point. Yeah. But um, anyway, he's still alive at the bottom of the pool. And he's being sucked at like very hard into this like drainage thing. <laughs> Boy, his <laughs> ass by his arse um, <laughs> now at the same time a girl is in a um, car wash and her head is stuck outside of her malfunctioning sunroof Yeah, and she thinks she's going to have her head like lopped off um, or drown inside her car and her friends managed to save her just in time yeah. but I think that the the fact that it's kind of like they're both going to die but which one first or like yeah. you know, one of them is going to save but which one I think that worked pretty well, but then eventually it's the guy and his guts get sucked through the drainage system and popped out, uh, basically like the sort of evacuation tube thing or whatever it is. So this is actually that, lifted that holes. Is, oh yeah, Sorry, I was I'm just going to say where it was from. Oh, go on, yeah. go on, well, I was going to say it's in a book uh, that I read called The Haunted, but written by Chuck Palahniuk, who wrote Fight Club.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, called guts. The little short story was called guts, and it is yeah. exactly the same thing. A
0: guy gets his intestines uh, sucked through his uh, his hoop. But in that case, he survives, but with just like a just basically no worse. intestine. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's just living to tell the story. But the other thing in that book was that he was doing it intentionally because he liked how it felt on his arm. <laughs> uh, that's the key difference. Okay. Um, he just strayed Ian's slightly... key difference. <laughs> he just strayed too far into the pleasure zone, whereas the other guy um, was getting his comeuppance for being a bastard. Yeah, um, sex okay. bastard. So, talking about sex
1: bastard, I'm going to read you just a little bit of parents' guide. So, this is the only Final Destination movie with a sex scene. Rhythmic oh, yeah. moaning, rhythmic moaning is heard from a pool cabana, and a man and a woman are shown having sex. He lies bare-chested on a table, and the woman is fully nude, and her breasts, abdomen, hips, legs, and part of her buttocks are shown. The (laughs) woman thrusts while straddling the man. They both moan, and he climaxes. Which is played for laughs.
0: Yeah, kind of. In a way. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but he does literally get his comeuppance afterwards as well. Um, alright so we've talked about our best deaths from this but you asked me what deaths would I like to see in 3D yeah So okay um, have you got a couple I mean, well funnily enough one of them I wrote before I'd watched all this film and it actually matches up pretty closely to one of the ones that was in it so I'll just mm-hmm. tell you that quickly um, basically I was thinking of like a sort of meta thing where like you'd have a 3D movie theatre where You'd have a 3D death in it, so you'd actually be in a movie theater yourself and uh-huh. be watching a film where yeah. a 3D death happens, and then that exact thing happened in this. You where, could be right uh, in for uh, this film, in. Okay. So I mean, you could be sitting in a cinema watching how that's happening in a cinema. That'd be pretty scary. Okay. It's pretty meta as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's a okay. meta death.
1: Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's, it's good. Can good. I give you my first one? Uh, go ahead. Okay, so in in my death, someone is running
0: a half marathon. say like in Hackney or something like that Um, if I I die you'll not be you'll not think that this is funny but they're too weak to bust through the finishing
1: tape which cuts them in half uh, (laughs) but the legs carry on running into the screen (laughs) slash audience
0: (laughs) that's pretty good I like it
1: (laughs) yeah I mean Ian don't worry that's not going to happen
0: If I die, I want you shamed. (laughs) All right, well, what's your second one then? Well, when they were drowning inside a car in Final Destination, I thought, where else would be interesting to drown? Um, Right. So I thought, drowning inside a plane, that's pretty unusual. (laughs) How would you drown inside a plane? Well, then I started thinking, you know what, that's pretty implausible, unless it's a plane that's like crash-landed in water or whatever. So then I thought, drowning in space <laughs> so basically drowning inside a spaceship um that's i don't know like you come up with some nonsense premise whatever one you want i mean they need drinking water while they're in space right yeah so maybe like they're inside a small part of the plane of the spaceship and yeah. uh like basically the water storage area completely blasts open and um then you've got drowning, but with zero gravity water. That would be pretty interesting to watch, I think. In okay,
1: right. Okay, I get you. Yeah, because so you can't I mean, swim out of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what you do. So I've got one. I've got one. One final one. Final destination. So a man, a man is on holiday, and he's he's sitting by a dock, eating uh, a ninety-nine cone, and suddenly. A boat, you know the bit at the front of the boat, which is like a, a pointy bit, Uh-huh. That, that pierces the back of his head as he's taking a big lick, and the boat spike goes right through his head, out of his mouth, and the ice cream is on the end, poking at the audience.
0: You're just thinking of different ways to have things come out of this. Well, that's room. that's what you need to do. Okay, fair enough. So I mean, did that, you that's say, surely what what did you, know, you, you need for a three D death? Doc or duck. A duck, Right, because I thought you meant he was sitting next to a duck. And I mean, I'd he could be. I envision the be. duck peck pecked the 99 out of his hand. Okay. But, fair enough. So, basically, what you're thinking of is speed to cruise control from the point of view of a man who's just enjoying his time on the pier.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I'm just going to give you one, one last thing. Um, okay. This is what I've got off Common Sense Media, the kids. Um, so this is about the final destination. So one child says, for adults only, this movie is extremely gruesome. The deaths are way off. This one chick gets her gets her smashed into a mush. Don't know what that means. A girl's legs get stuck in the escalators and much, much more.
0: <laughs> it's pretty good. I like it. Okay. Um, this um, is written by
1: a 13-year-old. It says, not appropriate at all, not for any kids at all so inappropriate <laughs> that's cool that's good yeah
0: i like that okay. he's um got a good head on him
1: yeah okay knows what, um, knows what's what this one's entitled uh, funny story and this is for from an 11 year old <laughs> lol i didn't i didn't see this but i just wanted to share that kids that were in my 4th grade class said they watched this along with Jennifer's body, Zombieland and District
0: 9. They're such big liars. And if they were telling the truth, well, wow. wow. I mean, is that because they're just like, oh my god, how could they even see movies for people like that? Like adults. Exactly. Movies. Did you ever did you ever lie about watching a film when you were in little school? Like there was there wasn't one who was like, oh yeah, I've definitely seen that. It was more like just <laughs> It was more like if somebody mentioned something that I didn't know about, I would just be like, oh, yeah, 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 I know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like not not committing either way. Yeah, kind of. But like basically saying, yeah, I've seen it, but not having any details. So when they're like trying to trick you with uh, like telling you about Robocop and they're like, yeah, and that, and that bit where like there's loads of prostitutes around and like it's all sex and that. You saw that, yeah? And you're like, yeah, yeah. yeah Yeah, definitely even though it doesn't no no further detail no further detail and (laughs) then they're like well yeah that wasn't even in the film you never saw it man (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was that guy on the receiving end of that cool I just looked up what Jennifer's body was and it looks terrible yeah it's Megan Fox okay so I think that's it have you got anything else immersive for this episode No. Well, in that case, if anyone else has got something immersive for us on this episode or actually for our next uh, notes on episodes, then they can get in touch. As we said, send us a voice memo to guysonfilmpodcast at gmail.com or send us a a word note on facebook.com forward slash guysonfilm. Okay. Okay. Bye. (sighs) Bye, yeah. Um, and Bye. wait wait for next week for all the life score stuff that you didn't get a chance to properly hear Ian Smith plus celebrities wow wow i will Stop stopping recording now